Ah, there you are. Hello? Hello. Hey, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? I am good. Um, I am, We just finished a meeting here at the Merriman store, and my kids are watching videos in the background. I don't know if you'll be able to hear their video or not. Okay. But, um, <laughs> well, I mean, that's, uh, that's kind of the new normal of what we get to contend with, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ashley and I try not to do that too often, but that's just where we're at today. That's Greg Garrison. Twelve years ago, he and his wife Ashley purchased the ice cream shop where she had worked since she was a college student. The hop had long been a kind of institution in Asheville since going into business in 1978. But after their move from a rather iconic location, the brand had started to dwindle a bit. But Greg and Ashley really breathed new life into the place. They began collaborating with local restaurants to develop quirky new flavors. They started scooping at events outside the shop, and before you knew it, the hop seemed to be literally everywhere in Asheville. Over the course of a decade, they expanded to four locations around the city and in Black Mountain. Ice cream is a strange business in the food world. On top of the thin profit margin, it also has a fairly cheap price point. So it is really a business of moving quantities. Ice cream is a very social food. It's a treat, and one that is best shared. So between the pandemic and the shutdown, it really created a perfect storm to threaten a stalwart of the Asheville food scene. From Dirty Spoon Media in Asheville, it's Home Fried, stories to keep you informed and entertained during the coronavirus lockdown. I'm Jonathan Ammons. Over the last couple of months, we've covered a lot of ground with this show. And as we're looking at wrapping things up as the lockdown begins to phase out, I thought it might be important to start asking folks in the restaurant industry what things will look like after this pandemic. Knowing that this isn't anywhere close to being over, and that there are still growing numbers of infected throughout the country, state governments seem to be moving on, and many local businesses are feeling pressure from all directions to do the same. So what does that look like? How does one keep an institution like The Hop up and running when the future is so unpredictable? Well, today, we're diving into some of those issues with Greg. But first, I thought we'd catch up with the story on how he and Ashley came to helm The Hop. The the story of the garrisons in The Hop is that um, while we were students at UNC Asheville, um, starting in 2003, Ashley and I both started working for the business um, for the previous owners at the old location in the Woolsey Dip. So we started as just regular scoopers there in 2003. And after we graduated from UNC Asheville in 2005, uh, Ashley continued on as a manager for the previous owners. And I was kind of only working, you know, part-time after graduation, I had a whole another full-time job uh, coaching soccer at UNC Asheville. So, but I was still around and still picking up shifts here and there. And in 2007, um, they were sort of forced to move from the old location to where it currently is on Merriman Avenue. Yeah. Uh, it, it forced isn't exactly how it was, but it was just sort of time that building was falling apart and in order to do the, the repairs that were needed to get it up and running the way that it needed to be, it was just something that wasn't going to happen at that time. Yeah. Cause it, the hub so, had been around in that location for ages, right? That was, yeah, uh, it was, 
1978 was when it was founded and wow. it was in there in that location until 2007 so 29 years and um yeah it just it, the building just kind of fell apart and you know those old buildings will do that and so instead of finding ways to uh work out that location it, they moved it to where it is now in the in the merriman square shopping center and ashley really was like the, they were the two owners and she was the other person that was helping with that move um and she worked you know day in day out trying to get all the equipment over trying to get everything up and running while the other location was still open um it only closed for 36 hours in between moves which is pretty amazing to think about actually that they were able to get everything except for like the most basic stuff out of the old location into the new location uh for it to be only closed for the 36 hours yeah um but she they opened it like as like a coffee shop more so than uh or in addition to ice cream during that time too so she was working like seven in the morning until what time would you leave like six o'clock at night when they first opened it till two so ashley was basically (laughs) running it um as a cafe or as a coffee shop uh for them when they moved it um and then just kind of one thing led to another and the, the previous owners uh moved out of state uh, and they were working on another adventure of their own, and uh, and they ended up putting the hop on the market in the fall or winter of 2007. It was one of those things that kind of came up really casually in conversation with uh, family about us purchasing it, and with kind of what was happening with the business, uh, with the owners kind of moving out and just not giving it as much attention as it needed. Ashley was thinking about what she wanted to do professionally. Um, and she was, she has a biology degree. So she was doing some field research, uh, like unpaid internship. And then uh, was also debating on like opening a, a bake shop or even another ice cream store in Asheville. Um, just something like inconclusive ideas about what to do next. And uh, so the opportunity to purchase the business came up as a way for Ashley to kind of have a direction in her professional world. And I was at the time still coaching soccer at UNC Asheville, still had a good full-time gig. We had bought a house. I had my thing going. And so this was an opportunity for Ashley to do something that she felt strongly about, was passionate about. Um, She'd been working for the hop already for five years and really enjoyed it, uh, enjoyed the customer side of things. And the whole ice cream world is such a pleasant world to be a part of. Yeah. Um, and it was really a good, it was good timing. It was a good fit um, for her. And, you know, for it was great for, for me to be there with her through that. Um, yeah. And you guys really kind of transformed the business too once you took it over. Yeah, it, it had, uh, I mean... It, things just happen sometimes, you know? And, and so the business was pretty close to the point of bankruptcy. Um, and it, it just was what, what the situation was. It wasn't really like anybody's fault or anything. It just kind of happened like with the move, 
you know, the advertising and things that it would have taken to make people aware of that just couldn't happen. Yeah. And a lot of people didn't know that the hop was still around after it had moved, even though it didn't really close. Um, and it was, it wasn't until we came in and gave it a lot of energy and started, you know, I mean, Jason Sanford, I remember he was like the first person that re reached out to us about being new owners of the business. And that was probably the first advertising of any kind uh, that the hop had received since it was in the old location. Yeah. Um, and it, it was really, I mean, we were 25, actually maybe even been 24 at the time um, <laughs> that we took over as owners. Um, I guess I was 26 and she was 25 when we took over. And, um, it was, it was something that we were really passionate about. And so we had a lot of energy to put into it and we worked I mean, insane hours all the time, um, for the first several years, you know, first five years at least just yeah. to try and reestablish what the business was. So yeah, we, we've made some, Ashley made some new flavors. That was always her territory. And I was always, you know, working on the front of house side and, and working with customers. And uh, I think 2009, we started the Twitter account, which is how I got to know most folks, um, including you. Uh, so I started doing the social media presence in 2009. Uh, and that really took off. Between having new flavors really working on um, the space and what it felt like when you walked in um, and, you know, having a better marketing and advertising sense really started to bring awareness to the fact that we were still open as a business. The hop was still around um, and it, it didn't uh, just completely shut down when it moved from the old location. Yeah. And then, I mean, you guys have since, you know, expanded. You've got three locations now, right? And, yeah, uh, we we opened the Hop West in 2010. We opened the Creamery in 2015 uh, as a production space. And it has that's a big part of the COVID conversation is the, is the Creamery. And then we opened Black Mountain in uh, the end of 2018. So December of 2018 was the kind of completing our our hop family of locations yeah um when did you see this coming when did you realize that this pandemic was going to start affecting you guys we live really close to new belgium and one of the things that sort of was eye-opening was how quickly they closed altogether uh whenever the first word started to come out about the virus and it's spreading and things yeah. shutting down you know, the potential of, of all of these different scenarios. Um, I remember riding my bike just kind of one morning and walk, I was like, whoa, they're, they're preparing to close. Like they're, they shut down the parking lots. They're not letting anybody in. Hmm. Uh, they had a, you know, a sign on their parking lot uh, gate or barricade that was like for the safety of everybody involved, you know, something along those lines. We're shutting the doors down. I was kind of, you know, went home and was like, Ashley, did you see that New Belgium shut down? Or like, did you see, you know, there's businesses that are like starting to shut down right now. And we started to think about it uh, as, a, as an eventuality versus, 
something that may happen. Yeah. Um, and then I remember those last couple days before we actually had to call it, where things were just insane. Like people were that were on sh- on the schedule didn't feel comfortable working for various reasons, which was fine. And it was just like we basically were dropping like flies as far as who could run the locations. Yeah. And and then there was a point where it was just like, okay, we're we're fighting a losing battle now. Um, and I think we already shut down the Merriman location, and it was only at the Hop West um, because of staffing. We had it was basically what was ever whatever was left, whoever was left to work, whichever location was all that we had. So I think it was the nineteenth uh, was our last day, and uh, that was that was kind of abrupt an abrupt announcement where it was like okay we're planning to get through this weekend and then we'll just see what happens on Monday and then it was like nope we're done we gotta close this we gotta be done we can't continue to do this we're running out of staff Ashley and I we already I don't know if they had already called closing the schools I think that weekend actually they had called the schools closed and so we were thinking about what we were gonna do with our kids it was like well we can't run stores with our kids here so let's yeah. just call it um and you know having to it's not just as easy obviously as calling it as saying okay we're gonna close it's like we had just under 50 employees uh who had you know been working various uh part-time or full-time positions mm. and we had to address them and with like what are we what are we going to say to them like okay so we closed the retail stores that means we probably should stop making ice cream right now um and we should probably stop trying to deliver ice cream we should probably it was like overnight unexpectedly we weren't planning on that um we were open and then we were closed and we were a business and then we weren't yeah and that that email that we had to send, you know, we tried to do the best that we could with giving as much information as we could, but it was very much like uncharted territory. And we were, as individuals, uh, probably mostly in part because of how young our kids are, we just switched into survival mode. Yeah. Um, and just like basically turned the lights off and un- unplugged all the freezers at the hop and just tried to focus on what we were going to do with our kids since school and daycare and stuff were, were no longer open. I'm uh, trying to focus on homeschooling, trying to make sure that we were uh, doing the best that we could in that regard, in the family regard, more than the business for that first couple of weeks. The you know, as far as the employees were concerned, we just, we contacted the department of labor and actually I remember spending about eight hours on hold to get through. Oh my God. And they were just like the, what we recommend, this is what we're telling businesses, small businesses to do is to lay them off as soon as possible so they can start collecting unemployment as soon as possible. Mm. And so that was, you know, based off of the instruction of the department of labor and that would have probably been that Friday after we 
had decided to close everything down. I think Ashley was on the phone that Friday so that we could get out as much information to the employees as possible about what to do next. Um, we, we sent that email. I was like, so, you know, here's the situation. We want you to be able to collect unemployment as soon as possible. So um, we're keeping everybody uh, on payroll, but all shifts are cut because we don't have anything to do. And, uh, you know, let us know if we can help you with any of the unemployment. And we will let you know as soon as we have information about uh, coming back from this and at that time, you know, middle of March, it was pretty optimistic about when things would kind of go back to normal. Yeah. Or they would, you know, it wasn't really clear at that point, I guess, the the longevity of this or, or to the extent which we would be closed and everything would be closed. I mean, that was, that was like the bleakest moment of our time as owners was to have to to feel like we we just were powerless uh yeah. and we you know we didn't have we were at the end of our slow season too it was the end of the winter we were just getting ready to, to ramp back up so we didn't have any money <laughs> we didn't have right. anything to give, to give to the employees as an incentive to to stay on payroll even like to do anything I mean, it was there was nothing available for all of us to do yeah. Um, and you're, I mean, ice cream's such a small margin business. You think about any restaurant is running on razor thin margins. You guys have such a small margin and such small amounts of profit per sale that you have to create that in a massive volume of sales. Right. Yeah. And it, it's just, there was, I mean, we, we kind of just defaulted to the department of labor as to what to do. And, and we didn't even try to do any, any, um, for the first week or so we didn't try it to brainstorm any ways to open up for like takeout or curbside or anything like that is just like just totally turned inward on in survival mode and yeah. focused on the kids and focused on our family. Um, and I uh, tried, I don't even think we spoke with anybody from the business after that original, after the original email, like the announcement to our staff was sent and we just like totally turned inwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was my job to go to each location in the week, like after we had had a week of just kind of pouting and, and, you know, being sad and crying and, you know, dealing with what everybody else was dealing with. Uh, it was my job to kind of go button things up a little bit at the stores. Cause we just walked away. Like it was like literally to lock the doors and walked away. So there was still dishes in the sink and there was, um, freezers still turned on and, and, you know, things that needed to be tossed and trash that hadn't been taken out and stuff like that. So we, I went to each location and just little by little kind of picked away at that and realized that we had, uh, a substantial inventory of ice cream. And there's many reasons why Ashley and I are grateful to own an ice cream store. And one of those is that as long as you've got a freezer, you don't have to throw things away, away really. Yeah. And the shelf life of ice cream at a consistent temperature is, is six months for, for us. So I started to just kind of inventory all of our ice cream and put it all at the creamery, started transporting it all at the creamery little by little to just see what we had. 
and we had all these pints that we had made for UNC Asheville, which we'll do, you know, 300 pints a week there during their regular semester. And we had all those that were packaged and boxed up, ready to be delivered. Um, And then they actually asked us to come and grab the inventory that was there and bring it back. Um, So we added more inventory on top of that. Um, And then I brought back what was at the Merriman store in the Hop West. There weren't, there weren't any pints at the Black Mountain location, but I brought everything back, all the pints back. And we just had so many pints that was like, okay, what are we going to do about this? And that was kind of the first brainstorming session of business after sort of wallowing in it for, for however long. I mean, it, it felt like ages, but it probably was really only like seven to 10 days. <laughs> right. That was where I, I started talking to Ashley about the possibility of having a pint sale, like a one-time pint sale, just to try and move some of that inventory of pints. Um, and pickup would be at the creamery and everything would be ordered through Facebook Messenger. Uh, and I was just, I was just going to try that to see what happened. And so I made an event page and listed the flavors that we had available, stocked the freezers, creamery for a pickup. And I think in the meantime, there was some stuff happening behind the scenes with the Asheville community, like the Asheville Strong uh, gift certificate yeah. link um, website that was started. And there was some other kind of, you know, people were helping generate funds for the service industry workers. And there was just things that were happening that were kind of giving a little bit more optimism and like more action to the business community uh, that sort of was helping bring us out of this funk. Yeah. Find it, uh, finding some ways to function. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, okay, you can start thinking about business again. Um, you can start thinking about how you're going to survive this as opposed to just feeling like you you're defeated, you're done. Yeah. Like there's no, um, so did you guys crank the machines back up or are you producing again or are you, we are, um, we're primarily making pints for the, for the pint sales, the curbside pickup sales that we're doing at the creamery. Um, so we did the first one and that was, you know, a huge success as far as being able to, to get orders and, and get them out the door. We created an online store for the next one. Uh, we have this fully functioning, very smooth online store and curbside pickup scenario. That's Tuesdays and Saturdays at creamery. And, uh, so primarily we're making ice cream for that. Like we're doing two days a week of production right now. And I think by the end of the month, we'll probably add a third day. Um, and most of it is for the pint sales. Um, we just opened the, the Merriman store back up, like a soft opening sort of the last two weekends and had a meeting just a minute ago um, about kind of what the future looks like for our retail locations. Yeah. Um, which is a whole nother brainstorm and animal. Uh, but the pint sales were great and are, we're going to continue those. You know, one of the positives, one, there's a few positives to take from this. And one of them is that we now have this curbside pickup that isn't going to go anywhere. Right. Um, 
and it seems to at this point be like its own kind of machine like you know self-feeding machine that we have new flavors every week we have an Asheville strong collaboration flavor uh, which is a chance to reach out to other local businesses and feature things which we've always done but you know a concentrated effort specifically on these curbside pickup pints yeah and that has been fun and an, another way to just bring some energy and life back into the business does it does it look like you're going to be able to hold on to all these satellite locations yes that was definitely a big question mark um and to be quite honest i can say this now that i know that it's not happening um we were most concerned about the merriman location yeah um, And I mean, it's humongous for an ice cream store and we just couldn't see past that fixed cost. We couldn't see past the rent and the utilities and just any, everything it takes to run that space. Um, that it just seemed like that was never going to happen. And so we had prepared, we had fully prepared and we're like, I mean, like a week away from announcing publicly that we were going to close that location Mm. for good um probably at the end of or middle of may i guess we were ready like literally ready to pull the plug um on that location and then uh well the government kicked in (laughs) and helped us uh we were able to receive the disaster loan which sort of was a game changer instantly uh we went from ready to get rid of the Merriman store altogether and deal with the whole backlash of that um, or perceived backlash. I'm not sure how much was in our heads versus what would have actually happened Right. to then taking a big, big, big deep breath. I mean like, okay, let's pop, pump the brakes and really think about this. Um, let's think about our, our employees, the, the people who had been committed to us for so long and let's, really you know how I don't know, however much time it elapsed between now and between the beginning and this point or that point um it was like okay let's really think about things in a bigger picture again as opposed to just like scrambling for our lives yeah what does the outlook look like moving forward what's the what is you know things are slowly reopening i'm, I'm assuming you guys are slowly going to phase in you know allowing people into your stores and things. What, what is it going to look like going forward? Right. So the Merriman location, our, our opening has been uh, a service at the door. So we have plexiglass and we keep the door open and we have a really tight system of uh, a way to safely handle and responsibly handle customers and orders. Um, so as of right now, we're doing two to five um, on Fridays through Sundays at the Merriman location only. And we're doing cups and cones and milkshakes and pints to go. As of Friday the 12th, we'll be opening the Merriman location seven days a week um, from two to five for that same service at the door. Uh, We're not letting anybody inside um, just to try and, you know, just get our feet underneath us. And so we'll be doing seven days a week, two to five with the intention of eventually bumping those hours to two to eight. 
um, hopefully by the 19th, but it may be July before we do that um, realistically. Yeah. And then once we get that dialed in, uh, then we look to the other locations and doing something similar there. How do you feel about this? Are you optimistic or are you still kind of nervous? Are you, I mean, this has got to be a difficult thing to, you've already gone through the process and the emotional release of the shutdown. And then now you're opening back up, but this may not be the only time we have to shut down. And right. that's got to be terrifying because you already have that. I mean, the cost of reopening is expensive. Like you've got to make enough ice cream to supply. So that's got to take a loan in and of itself to just get that product produced. Right. And that's got to be kind of scary going into it. But I'm, I'm wondering how you're, if you're more optimistic about this or if you're, you're still treading really lightly, like how are, how are you feeling going in? Yeah. I mean, if you had asked me that two days ago, I will, I would have been, it would, my answer would be very bleak. Um, yeah. I, I had a kind of a heart to heart with our general manager who is just now sort of coming back to full time. Um, Gretchen is her name. She's been with us for almost 11 years, I think. Hmm. Um, and I, I told her when I had finished working at the Merriman store um, earlier this weekend that I just felt like a punching bag, like having to handle all of the challenges of, you know, doing this properly to the point where we genuinely feel comfortable that we're not going to put people in danger to having to tell people constantly, no, we can't do milkshakes. No, we can't do Sundays. No, we can't do waffle cones. No, we can't do uh, birthday parties. No, we can't do ice cream cakes. No, we, you know, it's just yeah. to, to not having any clue what to tell people like the, the hopsters, the people who've been working for us for so long, what, when they could expect to come back or what hours they might have available, we might have available for them was, I mean, I had, it, it was, I was down and I don't like to get down and I try and, you know, I've, I've always had a pretty positive outlook on life and just an eternal optimist, but yeah. this was even just a day and a half or two days ago where I, I, I didn't want to get out of bed. Right. Um, and then Gretchen, uh, she worked in my place, um, at the hop on Merriman and, you know, I had tried all these systems. I had worked really hard with Ashley's help and with a couple other people's help to try and get everything presentable to, to the customers. So we'd had something at the Merriman store and she worked it for the first time um, and called me afterwards and was just like, that was amazing. That was so much fun. Everything went so smooth. The customers were so happy to see us. And yeah, there was no issue where like I felt people weren't safe. And hmm. I was like, Oh, I can breathe. Like I can finally breathe again. And that's, I mean, that's what it took was I have, I had no confidence and still I'm pretty shaken by it. Um, I'm literally kind of shaking right now. Um, yeah. Having no confidence in what we were doing was the right thing. And then to have her come in and work a shift and say how amazing it was and 
you know, people have been super sweet and it, it's more of a, in my head issue than like the customer side of things. Yeah. To have her just report back the most positive way. And we had like three reviews come back on social media about the response that we're all just like, this was perfect. You did such a good job and you know, you're handling this all so well. It, it was, uh, it was a chance to, to say, okay, we do, we, we can get through this. We can figure this out. Yeah. Um, so going forward, I feel like what we're doing, the way that we're approaching the scenario is going to handle another, uh, change in like another spike in the virus yeah we'll we should still be able to we won't have to shut down completely again as a business i don't think because we have the curbside curbside pickup which is i mean it's so smooth and uh we will have the merriman location at a minimum that we can do something that's very responsible and we can adjust the merriman scenario to be even more protective yeah uh, customers and it's it's it was designed to be super protective for the people working because we knew that that was the most important thing to get was that if they felt comfortable then we can handle how to get the customers to flow and and limit the scenario on the outside yeah so you know i, I feel like after having gretchen worked and we met with her this morning having talked to her about just kind of the plan, I genuinely feel like we could continue on regardless of what happens with the virus in a way that we feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, which is such a relief. Like it's such, uh, I mean, things could change of course. And you know, I, I'm going to return to my, my eternal optimist self when I say, <laughs> when I say that, but I, I, I genuinely feel like we've got, we've been very thoughtful and intentional about everything that we've done in this reopening scenario that I feel like if another spike came, we would be able to still provide some hours more than we had done before. We'd still be able to have some production. Um, you know, we'd have some life uh, as a business still without compromising the customers or the people that are working. Um, yeah, I feel, feel pretty confident about that. Of course, like I said, it could change, but there's that. There's the possibility of it not changing, of us actually having this life and, and being able to navigate whatever it is that comes our way. Greg Garrison and his wife Ashley own and operate The Hop in Asheville. For hours and information about their ice cream service during this lockdown, just visit thehopicecreamcafe.com. Home Fried is a production of Dirty Spoon Media. I'm Jonathan Ammons, and I'm the editor-in-chief. I produce the show, and I write and record our interstitial music. Catherine Campbell is our editor-at-large, manages our website and marketing, and keeps the coals hot around here. To catch the latest season of the Dirty Spoon Radio Hour, be sure to tune to 103.7 WPVM the first Friday of every month at 5 p.m. You can also catch up on back episodes of the show, stream any of our podcasts, check out the artwork from our contributing artists, or support us through our Patreon at our webpage, dirty-spoon.com. 
We'll be back with new episodes of Home Fried every Tuesday and Thursday, with occasional episodes on Saturdays. To subscribe, just search for the Dirty Spoon Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts. Always bringing you stories from the people who shape what we consume on the Dirty Spoon. <laughs>